We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every Wednesday and Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, fantasy gold, and more. College and NFL, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... Here comes the rush, and here's the hit. Second down attempt. Oh, what a hit. You can't do that. The quarterback, you can't fight. The 40, the guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20, they're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms. Here, tested. Somebody stop that man. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mukes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. Once again, the GOAT is headed to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has done it once more. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron Mukes. I know it's been a while, everybody. I uh, apologize for the the absence. There's been a lot going on. We have a lot of new stuff coming out. Uh, sideline to Sideline is going to be transitioning, and we're going to get into all of that as the show progresses on. But first, we have got to talk football. I have a special, special final NFL rant for everybody this week. This will be the final Sideline to Sideline show for the 2020 season Um, and again we'll go over everything that's happening with the transition and how it's going to work and all the things I got um, coming up as we move throughout this new year but first like I said we have championship Sunday to talk about Uh, we're going to start right there we're going to start in Kansas City Um, I'm sorry we're going to start in Tampa Bay and Green Bay with with Tom Brady And, and, and I said it at the top of the show once again the GOAT is headed to the Super Bowl and I know there may be a lot of people out there that acted like they predicted this, right? And we all had this inclination that Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay with all of those weapons, that they would be good. But did we really believe that this 43-year-old football old man, I mean, old man in football terms, was really going to have the the ability to take this team from 7-9 and nine to a Super Bowl? And... And that's what we just witnessed. I mean, we literally are witnessing something that is unprecedented, uh, unheard of, and and it's special. So let's talk about that game. The Green Bay Packers headed into or came into this game 13 and 3, home field advantage. Uh, They looked like the better team. I mean, pretty much throughout the entire year, except for the time they played Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay ran them out of the arena, ran basically. Uh, you know, ran them out of the, um, ran them off the field. And I I don't want to say I didn't think it would happen again, but I didn't think it would look the way it actually did look. Now, I know at the end of the game, it got close and many people were debating that Green Bay should have won. We had a penalty. We had Aaron Rodgers not running for it on the third down and not going for it on fourth down and Matt LaFleur's decisions. And we're going to get into all that. But on the surface level, I think, the game was actually not as close as the final score indicated or at the final minutes really 
um, led led us to believe. And, and I just want to I want to talk about a few things as to why. Number one, Tom Brady does deserve all the credit in the world. He had an amazing first half of that game. But I want to focus on the defense. I think that Tampa Bay's defense is the kind of the unsung heroes uh, of this year's Buccaneer squad. You have uh, last year's sack leader in Shaq Barrett, J- JPP, and Dominican Sue on that D-line. Then you got the young back end with, you know, Winfield and Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis and and these guys, and I know Winfield didn't play, and, and that was, you know, something we talked about on other shows prior to the game, but their young secondary was hungry. But the unsung, and maybe they're not even unsung heroes, the the heartbeat of that defense, and I know everybody wants to give it to that front four because of the pressure they put on Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the experience they have, but those linebackers, make I cannot talk enough about Levante David and Devin White and what they were able to do to neutralize what Aaron Rodgers wanted to do on offense. And I think that's the most important part here is we have to we have to give credit where credit is due. And uh, the fact that Todd Bowles was able, you know, a coach that was outcasted from New York, I don't think was given a real fair shake with the Jets, uh, especially for a guy like Adam Gase to come in, um, comes over to Ares, or comes over to. Um, Tampa Bay and ran an, an amazing defense. Like he he had that defense playing, and those linebackers, uh, they were everywhere. I mean, the last two weeks against Drew Brees and then against Aaron Rodgers, two of the greatest quarterbacks this game has ever seen, they were just outstanding. So I really give a lot of credit to what Arians and Todd Bowles was able to do with that defense. And so, um, yes, we can give credit to Tom Brady because he's the GOAT and he played an amazing first half. But that defense at Tampa Bay is – is one that uh, they're young. They could be good for a really, really long, long, long time. And then on the other side of it, the Green Bay Packers defense, they, I think they, I, I don't know if it was a scheme thing. I don't know if they were just so focused on, man, we've had a poor run defense all year. Let's make sure we don't get beat that way. But whatever Mike Pettin and, Whatever their game plan of Matt LaFleur was, I, I just didn't understand it. I didn't number one, I didn't understand how at the end of the first half, that's just inexcusable. That's not only coaching, but that's also on Kevin King. And Kevin King was getting burnt all night, right? So so he's got a lot of blame on his shoulders. But there's one thing in the NFL that I can't stand. I can't stand when we sit there and we go back and forth. Sometimes we blame players, sometimes we blame coaches. And all the post-game pressers and everything was so focused on Matt LaFleur not going forward on fourth down. And we will get into that as well. I agree with that. But you put that on the coach, right, for not going on forward on fourth down. Or some of the game throwing it three straight downs and not running it, getting it closer. So we put some of that on the – we put that on the coaches. And then on the reverse side – we are going to give a pass to the coaches on defense or not help hold them accountable because Kevin King didn't do his job. I, I don't like that. I, I just think it needs to be consistent. Aaron Rodgers didn't do his job on offense and Kevin King didn't do his job on defense. So if you're going to blame the coaches on one side, let's blame them on both sides. The fact that they were playing single high uh, man coverage with six seconds left in Tampa Bay having no timeouts, it, it's 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 ridiculous. 
first of all, and then you give up the outside. It's not even like you're playing outside leverage where you're you're containing the outside, forcing the guy to come inside of you. You let him outside of you, and you're you're leaning on his inside shoulder. You're letting him outside of you, and there's no help. You have no help over the top. So that particular sequence of events at the end of the first half there was so significant in this game because it made the game from 14-10, which it should have been at the end of the half, at worst 17-10, and it made it 21-10. And then you get the Aaron Jones fumble coming out of halftime and they go get another touchdown and there you go, now it's 28-10. It's just, it's just inexcusable, especially for a guy like Scotty Miller who you know is their deep ball threat, who has the speed to stretch the field. Who's not going to come across the middle of the field and catch one, get hit, you know, and 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 take it like that? He's going to go deep. And, and the fact that they had no timeouts, there's just no excuse for something like that to happen. So I want to, you know, the, the Matt LaFleur and Mike Pettin and, and them on Green Bay's defensive side and Kevin King had a poor game and it, it's just inexcusable. Now, there's two things that I want to get to that I thought were were really key factors in this game. Number one was the fact that Green Bay was unable to capitalize on the turnovers in the second half that Tom Brady gave them. Like they, they did make it closer, but they weren't able to actually capitalize with touchdowns after Tom Brady threw three picks in the second half. And Jair Alexander, uh, mad props to him because he was the one on one player on Green Bay's defense that looked like he belonged. Like he was ready for the moment. He continued to play as well as he's played all year. Um, so so shout out to uh, Jair Alexander for that. But everybody else. And then Green, Bay, Green Bay's offense with the inability to, to, to just move the ball consistently and have people step up. And, and it looks like the same situation we've been talking about for years. If you can't get Devontae Adams the ball, they can't, they're not consistent enough. Those other guys are not consistent enough. You saw a, a nice play from Marquez Valdez Scantling. You saw a couple of a couple of flash uh, splash plays from uh, Alan Lazard and and but when it really, really matters, those guys are not there. And, and it's been consistent. And it's the it, it, there is something telling when everybody brings up the fact that Aaron Rodgers has never thrown a ball or only has like one completion or two completions to uh, players that were drafted in the first round. Um, now, a wide receiver drafted Tavon Austin. A tight end, maybe Mercedes Lewis. Like, these guys, that it's not that they can't play is that these guys are asked to do things that their skill set or their level of ability uh, aren't really capable of. And if you're able to neutralize Devontae Adams, it goes a long way in beating Green Bay. And and, and there's enough, you know, I'm not going to get on Aaron Jones today because I'm a big Aaron Jones fan, but I think think he had a rough game. But I this is a topic for another day, but I put a lot of that on Matt LaFleur and the way Aaron Jones has been used throughout the year. Um and even in this game with the first handoff going to Jamal uh, Jamal Williams, I just think there's something going on there. I don't think he'll be back in Green Bay, and I hope he gets an opportunity elsewhere. But he did disappoint, and he did have some fumbles. Uh, and, and again, those were those were something that they were unable to get over. Um, and then the second thing, with the outside of the, the weapons of Green Bay, I think the second thing is when, at what point, does Aaron Rodgers who I can't argue enough that I've said I feel like he's the most talented quarterback that's ever lived prior to Patrick Mahomes uh, coming into the league. When do we start putting more responsibility 
um, as far as, or more blame as far as why they were unable to get over the hump on him. And, and this is hard for me because I, I think Aaron Rodgers can win. He's proven he's won a Super Bowl. He can win. He's beaten my Dallas Cowboys a number of times. But at what point do we go to these NFC Championship games that he's in constantly year after year after year, and he's 0-4 in his last four attempts there, and say he just hasn't got it done? And is it a weapons thing? Is it a general manager who needs to go out and get him more offensive weapons? Or is this something that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't have that fire of or will to want to win like some of these other big-time quarterbacks? And I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that. But I wonder when that conversation is actually going to start taking place because he's a great quarterback. Everybody knows that. He's super talented. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. I think he's amazing. But people are going to start looking at his his failures and say, this is why he's not the best quarterback ever or one of the best quarterbacks ever. So um, that, that's like the second thing that I, I think is is really important about, about what Green Bay did. Um, another loss, another 13-3 and season, another championship game, and here we go again. They're out of it. And now questions are looming about the future of Aaron Rodgers after they drafted Jordan Love. I particularly think, I particularly think he'll be back. I don't think there's a chance that he'll play elsewhere, but, um, you know, it is the NFL. A lot of quarterbacks are asking out, and, and we'll have to see. But um, I, think it was, I think it was telling that the, the communication between him and Matt LaFleur does not look great. And the assertiveness of Aaron Rodgers is 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 something I do question. Matt LaFleur says, let's kick a field goal there. How many quarterbacks are looking at Matt LaFleur and waving him off, saying, man, I, this is my moment. It's fourth and eight. I'm one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Get the kicker off the field. I'm going for it. I've seen Peyton Manning do it. I've seen Patrick Mahomes do it. I've seen Lamar Jackson do it. Uh, obviously Brady, obviously some of these other big-time quarterbacks that's played in this league. And, and it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers either, number one, doesn't have that clout to where he can, or number two, he doesn't doesn't do it. Like, he doesn't take it, and, and he doesn't show, like, hey, this is my team. For as long as I've been here, this is my team, and, and I have to have the confidence in, in that situation. So those are the two kind of things that um, I, I found interesting about this game. Now, the overall look at the game, we could talk about this third down play. The third down play where Aaron Rodgers is running, I, I laugh when I see all these tweets and Instagram posts and all this uh, post-game reaction about Aaron Rodgers should have just ran for it. I, I mean, we're looking at it on TV and we're like, oh, there's a big hole. And I watched it a number of times. It, live, I said, man, I thought he could have ran it. And I did. I said it right away. I posted to my friends, man, he should have took off. He had a lane. And then I've watched it back from a number of camera angles. And guys, I'm just going to be honest. JPP was right behind him. There was somebody else coming on his, like his front left side. Um, and then there was somebody on his back right side. People don't realize how fast these guys are in the NFL and how quick those windows in a passing lane is closing or those running lanes close. They close with the, with the snap of a finger. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers makes it there. Now, he probably would have gained a few yards, but Aaron Rodgers knows his ability. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers run. And Aaron Rodgers said he felt like somebody was right there. And, and he's probably right. He sensed what, what probably was there. And everybody's just looking at this camera angle where it just looks like this big wide open hole. Um, so I, I, I tell everybody kind of pump their brakes with that. 
um, blaming Aaron Rodgers because he didn't run. And let's be honest. These guys know their abilities. They know how fast they are. They know how quick these defenders are and how quickly these holes and these big windows start to, uh, start to shut. So um, aside from that, there was the not going for it on fourth down, which didn't make any sense. Uh, no excuse for Matt LaFleur. Uh, the, this championship weekend to me, and I said this on the Rough Cut Sportscast, was about was about coaching and the coaches that coached to win versus the coaches that were playing scared or coaching not to lose. And those guys that, you know, pedaled to the metal, foot on the gas the entire game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they won the game. And the other two coaches that were a little bit more reluctant to go for it, um, were a little bit more cautious, they lost. And that's the difference in great coaches. You are in a win-or-go-home situation. You should leave nothing, nothing on the table. And the fact is, they had a chance with 4th and 8 with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm putting the ball in his hands over trying to kick a field goal, kick off, give the ball back to the greatest player that's ever played football, the GOAT, Tom Brady. You're going to give him the ball and say, I think my defense can stop him from getting a first down. That logic is mind-boggling. You are saying, I think my defense can stop the greatest football player of all time from getting one first down. And you haven't stopped them all game. I mean, you had the turnovers, but for the most part, they hadn't stopped them all game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Matt LaFleur was thinking. Worst case scenario in that situation. Think about the worst case scenario. You go for it on fourth and goal from the eight. You don't get it. You are still a touchdown and a two-point conversion behind. So one score, still you have a chance to tie the game. And you have them backed up on the eight-yard line. And you're putting your defense in the exact same situation, saying, I need you to stop them from getting a first down. So what did you actually gain from that three points other than saying, I need the ball back? So I need you to stop them. I have to get the ball back and I still have to score a touchdown. It, it made no sense to me. Um, you can spin it however you want. I, I, didn't, I didn't approve. Did not approve. And then last play for that game was the pass interference penalty that actually iced the game, gave them the additional first down. I hear Green Bay fans. I hear people saying, oh, they didn't call anything all game. It was blatant. Okay, I don't care if the pass was quote unquote catchable. Um, we see amazing catches every week. You are not on that field of play, and you do not realize what those camera angles do to a ball that looks like it's uncatchable. So the guy clearly, Kevin King, clearly pulled on his jersey. He clearly held him from getting into his where he wanted to get, and it's pass interference. And uh, for everybody that says referees shouldn't decide games, I tell you this all the time. I told you in New Orleans when they didn't call that pass interference, don't put yourself in situations to where the refs have to determine the game. Green Bay had multiple opportunities prior to that play to actually make plays, and they didn't get it done. So you're going to jump and now say, oh, Tom Brady got lucky, he was bailed out. That's just, honestly, that's trash. That's a trash take, and it's an excuse. And the fact of the matter is, is Tampa Bay was the better team. The Green Bay Packers held the offensive player. It was pass interference. It was called. Move on. I don't want to hear this. And then Matt LaFleur's jumping up and down on the sideline, pissed off, and you just had a chance to go for it, and you didn't. I don't want to hear that. I tell any coach, player, fan, sit down with that stuff. Uh, it was clearly pass interference that had no, no impact on why Tampa Bay won that game. That's it for that. 
And then I want to talk about the AFC game. It should be a little bit quicker. There was less debate in this game. Uh, I know a lot of people who picked Buffalo, but there was really nothing to see in this game. That was different than what I expected. Um, at the beginning of the year, I said the Kansas City Chiefs would be in the Super Bowl. And lo and behold, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. That hasn't changed. I'll say it now. They'll be in the Super Bowl again next year because they have number 15. And Patrick Mahomes is a different type of player. I, I, I said this the other day to my son. And, you know, people are always, I always talk about people being in the moment and jumping on a person's bandwagon too quick or jumping off of a person's bandwagon too quick. I, I may be a little early on this. Maybe. But I don't care because I'd rather be early than late. I think Patrick Mahomes is on the level of a LeBron James in, in basketball. And, and I know we don't have the opportunity to see this as, as to, you know, why. But um, one of my good buddies, uh, Justin Henry, on, on our group chat mentioned something that I've never really thought about with LeBron. And I've given LeBron a lot of a flack. Is LeBron James is the only player like that I can think of off the top of my head that's at his level, the one considered one of the greatest, or if not the greatest, that is not linked to or tied to a coach. So you have LeBron James, you have Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is great, greatest of all time in my opinion, but people still say, well, he had Phil Jackson. Kobe Bryant had Phil Jackson. Shaq had Phil Jackson. Um, you know, Brady had Belichick. The, these guys that are considered the greatest of all time are usually linked, or the great ones, Tim Duncan, Popovich, like great players that are iconic, they're usually tied to great coaches. And maybe it's because they've led their coaches or whatever, but the fact of the matter is they're tied to great coaches. LeBron James isn't like that. You could say Tyron Lue, but he's also one with Eric Spolstra, and he's also one with, um, you know, Frank Vogel in L.A. Like, it doesn't matter what coach you give him. He's LeBron James. And I feel that way about Jordan. I do believe that Jordan in the prime of his career would have been the same way without Phil, but we don't know that. I feel that way about Patrick Mahomes. And I know Andy Reid deserves a ton of credit. I love Andy Reid, no doubt about it. I love what he's he's doing. And I'm going to talk about him in a little bit, but I get the sense from players that have talked about Patrick Mahomes, from the way he carries himself, from the ability on the field to just everything, his leadership, the guy, the way the guys gravitate towards him, I feel like he is that guy. I feel like he's that guy that no matter where he goes, or no matter who he plays for, he's going to be great. And Tom Brady has that. Tom Brady probably doesn't have that without Belichick, or we don't know that he has it without Belichick, but we've seen that now in Tampa. And had he more had more opportunities elsewhere, I think we would have saw that because of the type of leader and person he is. So I... I mean, let's just be honest. I, I'm saying it now. Like, I believe Patrick Mahomes is going to be right up there with Tom Brady in Super Bowl rings. And maybe Tom Brady gets another one. Maybe he has seven. Maybe he has eight by the end of next year. I don't know. But I think Patrick Mahomes gets his second one this year. And I think he might have a chance at a three-peat, which is, hasn't been done. And I think there's going to be many more chances for him because of the type of player he is. Barring health. Obviously, this is all barring some catastrophic injury or something, which, you know, always possible. But I don't wish that on anybody. So I just think that's the kind of player Patrick Mahomes is. It showed in this game. He's unreal. Now, yes, he has a plethora of weapons, but great players make players great. 
They make him better. The first half, he was going to guys like Byron Pringle. Daryl Williams was having a good, a good day. Nicole Hardman. Like guys that everybody's like, oh, they're not good or they're trash or they're just regular. He throws them the ball and good things happen. And so you can say what you want about him having Tyree Kill. And yes, Tyree Kill's amazing. But Buffalo's adjustments after the first half when they realized we can't stop these guys worrying about T Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill because they'll beat us with Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, and Darren Williams. Darren Williams. So they had to adjust. They had to start single covering Kelsey again. They had to start single covering Tyree Kill again. And then look what happened. Then those guys came and they, they just stood out. So um, you can say what you want about the weapons he has, but... Patrick Mahomes is that guy. Like, he's he's the leader of all of that. And um, I can't say enough about him, but he's going to be a winner for a long time. Now to the defense. Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs defense, by far one of the most underrated. Uh, Spagnola did a great job with them. Love what they do in their secondary. They play up front, right on you, and they're in your face. And I love that. And then when they bring pressure, it might not come with their front four, but they will blitz you, and they aren't afraid. Um, so I love that. But they also aren't afraid because they know what kind of offense they have. And then lastly, obviously the coaching. Andy Reid is amazing. The dude is just a winner. And he he knows the moment. He knows it's a championship game. If it's fourth and one, and he don't care if he's at his own 20 in the, in the first half. He's like, fourth and one, my team can get it. If we don't, we still have Patrick Mahomes, and we can come back from anything. So uh, I love that mindset. I, I really root for the guy, and he's definitely one of the best coaches that this game has ever seen. And I mean that, ever. Four straight NFC championships. Now he's on his third straight AFC champion uh, championship with the Chiefs. Uh, the dude is unreal. He's a Super Bowl champ. Uh, might be two-time Super Bowl champ this year, and uh, I can't I can't say enough about. Him. All right, man. Uh, it, it's going to be a great Super Bowl, man. We get to see Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. And once again, I mentioned this on some other platforms. People don't realize like what this means for football and just in sports in general. Like we're in the moment, we're like, yeah, Chiefs, Bucks, Tom Brady's back, 43 years old. But do you know what it's really like to see the greatest football player of all time going against what people are now projecting as the greatest football player of his time? And it, it I, I equate it back to basketball because it's like a direct line. You can, It's easily comparable. If Michael Jordan got to play against LeBron James in the NBA Finals, think about that. Like, think about how mind-blowing that is. And then now you get it in the NFL with Tom Brady going against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. This is something that I think we should all just take, take a, a, a step back and just really appreciate the moment and appreciate this type of... I mean, we've seen it all playoffs, especially in the NFC with Brady and Breeze. And then you get Brady and Rodgers. And then you get Brady and Mahomes. Like, the greatest quarterbacks this game has ever seen. The most important position on the field. And we are seeing legends go at each other for the first time in, in these, these with, the, with these stakes. Like, we've never seen Brady-Rodgers in a championship game or a Super Bowl. We've never seen Brady-Breeze. Like, these things are something that we might not ever see again. So I don't want to take them for granted. I'm just enjoying every storyline, every moment. And I want everybody to do the same. Um, just take a step back and realize what era we're in. Um, Brady is going to be gone here in a few years. Uh, I, I, you know, who, who knows? He might play till he's 50. But eventually his time is going to come. And 
we are going to look back on this on this time and we're going to be like, man, do you realize how special that was? The greatest of all time versus possibly the future greatest of all time. We don't know. Now, I'll say it, but most people don't want to. But Patrick Mahomes is that great. He's definitely the best player in football right now. So um, it, it's very, very special. I, I encourage everybody to just enjoy it. And don't miss a moment. Take take every moment you can and just watch everything that's going on and listen to the storylines and how special this actually is. All right, so as I mentioned, sideline to sideline is transitioning. So I'm going to give you one final quick rant. It's not going to last too long. But I am going to go at every hater, um, every naysayer, every person that's ever doubted this player. And I'm sure you guys all know who I'm talking about, uh, because I was one of those, and, I, and I'm I'll, I'll be willing to admit it. I'm 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 open to saying, like when it first when it first happened, and we we sometimes don't grow an appreciation until after the fact, which I have done, and I'm willing to admit. Uh, but Tom Brady came in the league, and he was very much a game manager. Tom Brady with the Patriots comes in, Bledsoe gets hurt, wins a Super Bowl, amazing young guy. Didn't mess it up, but he didn't win the Super Bowl. Like, let's be honest. You go back to that first Super Bowl. It wasn't Brady out there that was, everybody was like, man, he's the greatest quarterback that's ever going to live. They had a great defense, running game, great coach. He didn't mess it up. He played well. They won. Did it again. Did it again. Did it again. 07, loses. Puts up 50 touchdowns. Like, and then he started, like, he grew into this guy. As most great quarterbacks do. We've seen it with Big Ben, Russell Wilson. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, like we've seen it with all these guys, but he did it differently. Like his ability to adapt to whatever situation he was put in, no receivers, great tight ends, no tight ends, great running game, great, uh, no running game, just great receiver. Like he made these adjustments and he played in every single style you can think of. And he just got the job done year after year after year, after year. And then we fast forward all the way to 2019. And we sit there and we limit all season long. Man, Brady doesn't, he doesn't look good. He looks like he's done. He doesn't have the weapons. He looks old. He's not thrown very well. All he has is Edelman. And a lot of people count him out, myself included. I just said, you know what? He doesn't look like he's, he's there anymore. He's not Brady anymore, right? And then he says, I'm not retiring. I'm a free agent. I want to go play somewhere where I have a chance to win. Sunny weather. Tampa Bay, here I come. They, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, uh, Ronald Jones. I mean, they had, a, they had a good core of offensive weapons, a good young defense. Um, their offensive line had been better over the last couple of years. And Jameis Winston just left there, and he was 7-9. and nine. They were close to a playoff team. But he saw the pieces he saw where it's at in Tampa, saw the coach in Bruce Arians and says, that's a place I can go. And then we fast forward again, and they struggled coming out of the gate. They didn't look like a team that could win the Super Bowl. They struggled. No training camp, no mini camp, no OTAs, no uh, nothing. I mean, new team, new system. He's been in one place for 20 years. And you go to a new system. Everything's brand new. Terminology, players, coaches, city, and, and then you don't have the ability to have an offseason with them. 
And you go in and you struggle out of the gate, and everybody's like, "Yep, Brady's done. He's not having a good year." Uh, they're just gonna, you know, they'll fight for a playoff spot, but they can't. They can't win a Super Bowl. They can't go to a Super Bowl. And then we're, you know, we we head into the playoffs, and here we are, January twenty seventh, uh, as I'm recording this, and we're talking about Tom Brady going to once again another Super Bowl, number ten. And people still have the nerve to get online or call shows or go on Twitter or Instagram and talk about, oh, Spygate, oh, Deflategate, oh, he was bailed out by the referees, oh, he had Belichick, oh, then he loaded up his team and got Gronk and Fournette, Antonio Brown. and Like, at this point, when does the hate just become that? It's just hate. No substantiation whatsoever. I, you could talk about Spygate, Deflategate, Watergate, uh, you know, loaded up your team gate. I, I don't care about none of that stuff. Everybody else is on the same level. They're all playing in the NFL. That does not show up on Sunday when a team is trying to win. Tom Brady is a winner. He has consistently won. No matter what people say, no matter what they want to talk about, he's bailed out this and that and that. And, and and this this notion that that he's on a loaded team this year, this is the exact same team, basically the exact same team as it was last year with Jameis Winston, and they went seven and nine. Everybody wants to talk about the Leonard Fournette signing, the Antonio Brown signing, the Rob Gronkowski signing. Uh, last time I checked. They legit just ran through a season where Gronk didn't do a whole lot. Antonio Brown was there half the year. He got hot late, didn't even play off in the playoff game. Didn't have a, a great playoff game against the Saints. Uh, Leonard Fournette was benched. He was inactive for four games this year. Jacksonville gave him away. And we, we, we're the same people that are now saying they're loaded. And we were talking shit about Leonard Fournette. About how he was washed, couldn't stay healthy. People were talking about Antonio Brown's crazy. He doesn't deserve another job. But now they go sign these players. Oh, now they're loaded. They're Oh, they're so loaded. It's the same team that went 7-9. and nine. You want to know the difference? 12. 12 was the difference. Tom Brady was the difference. He's the one that didn't turn the ball over. He's the one that made plays when they needed to be played. He's the leader that they needed on that team for a young, energetic team like that. You can hate all you want to hate, but it's just that. It's just hate. There is no substance behind it. You can't, you can't sit there and point to anything that actually says Tom Brady is not great. You can make up stories. You can say, oh, well, they should have called pass interference. Shouldn't have called pass interference. If that's the best you can do, if the best you can do is say, oh, they filmed the Rams walkthrough. And that's why they won back in 2001. And that's why he got a Super Bowl. Or, oh, they... uh. They, they deflated footballs against Indianapolis. That's why they won. It was easier for him to throw. Like, if that's the best you can actually do as an argument to debate why Tom Brady isn't the greatest, then you have no business talking sports. Don't be a hater. Embrace greatness. I did it. I, used to, I, I did not love Tom Brady. I was one of the ones who called him a system quarterback. I did not think he can do what he's done outside of Tampa Bay. Or outside of New England, I'm sorry. I just felt like that situation was perfect for him. And you know what? It was perfect for him. But by 2007, 
when he was dropping 50 touchdowns to Randy Moss, he had grown. He became a great quarterback. He could have played anywhere. Anywhere. And he was going to win. He was going to find a way to win. And let's also give him credit for being smart enough at 43 years old to say, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I'm not going to go to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I'm not going to go to the the whoever else is trash. I mean, the New York Jets. Of course he's going to look for a team that has some weapons around him that he knows he can play with, that is in warm weather, that is a city he loves. He gets credit for that. We, we, we celebrate these NBA players who do it. So he went to Tampa Bay where he thought it was a good situation. It's not like they just won a Super Bowl. He didn't just join a Super Bowl team. He's taking them to the Super Bowl. This team, this is it right here. This is the end of the round. I, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't argue with these people about Tom Brady being given anything or not being the GOAT. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the worst franchise in NFL history, winning percentage-wise. They have the worst winning percentage in NFL history. They haven't been to the playoffs in 13 years. And their last Super Bowl was back with Derrick Brooks and Warren Sapp and them when they beat, with John Gruen, when they beat the, the Raiders. This is one of the most unsuccessful franchises in all of sports history. And Tom Brady goes there and takes them to the Super Bowl. And there's still those Tom Brady haters, haters out there that are making excuses or finding every reason to, to downplay his greatness on why he got him there, how he got him there, what his, his accomplishments are throughout his career. It, it's it's wild, man. I posted on uh, Facebook yesterday his stats from like Super Bowl stats, rings, MVPs, and stuff like that from 2001 to 2010 and 2010 to 2020. And this dude legit has two Hall of Fame careers in one career. Two Hall of Fame careers in one career. He has a Hall of Fame career in the last five years. He's been to four Super Bowls in five years. Like, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It doesn't matter what happens in this game. By the way, I'm picking Kansas City, just to let everybody know. But it doesn't matter what happens in this game. Tom Brady is the GOAT, and you people need to stop. Haters. That's all you are. Haters. All right. That's it, folks. Let me get through some stuff right here. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody that listens to Sideline to Sideline, the podcast, um, all year long. It, it's been a lot of fun. It's been crazy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just getting into this game. I have so many projects going on right now while I'm still finishing up, uh, school and stuff. So all of my friends, family, uh, listeners, I appreciate everything you guys are, uh, doing to support me. Um, I want you guys to keep an eye out for Sports Uncovered. We pushed back the release date. Sports Uncovered is coming, I promise. We had our first live show with the NFC AFC Championship. There will be a live show on Super Bowl Sunday. We're still working the details out on that. But episodes are coming soon. They will all be video episodes um, after the first one. So um, be on the lookout for that. Follow the page Sports Uncovered on Facebook. Um, at Sports Uncover on Twitter, as well as Sports Uncovered on YouTube and Sports underscore Uncover on Instagram. Uh, please follow um, my posts, you know, updates from what's going on in the sports world. We're going to get into all kinds of sports. It will not just be football. It will be basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey, UFC, boxing. Um, I have some special guests to come on. Like I said, even hockey. I know nothing about hockey, but um, I have some special guests coming on that are, are going to talk hockey. So if you're interested in that, uh, please listen, pay attention. Um, we'll have some quality content for that as well. 
I'm an in, as we move through the off season, as you know, sideline to sideline football podcast has pre- primarily been about football, uh, college and pro, mostly pro, but I, we're going to transition that. So going forward, uh, this will be our last episode of sideline to sideline podcast until after the NFL draft. So uh, keep that in mind. Sideline to sideline podcast will be gone until after the draft. And after the draft, we are going to be transitioning. It'll be a revamped version of this show. It is going to turn into a sideline to sideline fantasy football show. That's what it will be primarily focused on. So we will only focus on fantasy football here. Um, college and NFL football um, in general will be dis- discussed on Sports Uncovered. So we are going to be transitioning this show into just a fantasy podcast. Um, it'll help with um, calendar issues and timing and stuff like that. So our next show for Sideline to Sideline will be following the NFL draft. Make sure you're subscribed to all channels. Um, I still will be posting stuff on the social media site, so there will still be content coming out. Um, it is Sideline to Sideline podcast on Facebook at Sideline. Uh, I'm sorry, at Sideline to Sideline underscore podcast on Instagram and at S2 podcast on Twitter. You can also follow uh, the Sideline to Sideline podcast on Spotify um, to catch up on old episodes throughout the year if you just want to know here us talking about fantasy. Um, but this this show is going to transition to a fantasy football episode, and I know there's a ton of fantasy football players out there. And if you did not listen last year, then you missed out. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I had guests on. We won championships. It's what we do. We will bring you quality content to get you these fantasy football championships. Um, and it's only going to get better and better as we move forward. So with that said, again, I thank you all. Be sure to follow. Also, check out the Rough Cut Sportscast with my guy, Vinny Milani and AJ Johnson. Uh, They're doing a lot of good things at the Rough Cut Sportscast. And again, you can follow all their social media. Um, Look for them on Facebook. And I've been a special guest on their show. They're they're good dudes and they talk a lot of good sports content as well, as well as at Dylan Kearns TV. Uh, He's doing a lot of big things. They all go to my uh, sportscasting they're part of my sportscasting network, so uh, I appreciate if you guys show them some love and support as they've shown us. And uh, continue to rock with us, man. Sports Uncovered coming soon. Until then, I want to wish everybody stay safe, healthy, happy, hold your loved ones tight. And Sideline to Sideline podcast will be back in April. Peace out.